Hello and welcome to 141 Studio. As always, I am Ryan Whiting. And I'm Paul Cushing. Uh, and welcome to a post-mortem of the World Cup and some things that have occurred over the course of the last week or so. And as we also lead into the final and finding little details and things that may have been missed or talking about some actual tragedy that occurred over the last little bit of time. We, uh, we want to talk about Grant Wall for a little while because he's a bit of a kind of juggernaut of the game hardest working man in football coverage he he was impactful in a lot of ways and he passed away covering the world cup in qatar Mm -hmm. it does seem like it's natural causes uh his wife works for the state department and she uh she was like there's no foul play here so you know at least there is not an international incident coming out of this Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately it's unfortunate that we had to consider that it might be an international incident and not just a like kind of horrible tragedy right and that we probably want to talk about that a little bit do you want to talk about that a little bit or do you just want to move forward with Grant Wall praise. I think I guess we could briefly talk about how in my opinion this World Cup there I mean talk, people talking that it has been one of the better World Cups that have happened in the last in, in recent time and um I think footballing wise it's been very good. Yeah, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree, but I think this World Cup there's a lot of this World Cup where a lot of things surrounding what has happened like around the football and the soccer that has occurred is really what has been been noticed more than necessarily the play on the field at times and um i think this that is what i am realizing is that even though the games and the you know some of the outcomes have been amazing like portugal destroying switzerland six to one sort of crazy 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 result Uh, like there was not like a player who was sent off or anything in that game just sort of like a crazy destruction then portugal goes and plays morocco and loses is sort of a revenge for what happened in 2018 because they played each other in 2018 and well as well and then um well you know morocco has a lot of history with spain and portugal i know they played them both and they beat them both which i love yeah um i almost beat all three of their sort of you know colonial because they went after uh france as well yeah yeah they had yeah. their chance with france as well but they they came up a bastions short um <laughs> but yeah i think um yeah i think about how the game has uh been shrouded and um it has been hidden a little bit because of the things that have occurred in this world cup outside of this world cup and i think people are going to be more aware of what is what is happening now and World Cups and things that lead to it. So with the U.S. and Canada and Mexico, we're going to see more of the issues that are surrounding how the World Cup occurs. Yeah. And like it's no fun having to talk about a country's like civil rights issues and Mm -hmm. their and their problematic things geopolitically Mm -hmm. when you are talking about soccer. I don't know if that genie ever goes back into the bottle. I think it's just all Always going to be brought up regardless of kind of what's like what country it's in obviously mm-hmm. Qatar was worse than most mm-hmm. but like we're going to hear about it four years from now we're going to hear about every bad thing that Canada the United States and Mexico has done mm-hmm. and like maybe that's fair maybe everybody should just like you get all the spotlight on you and it's like hey but what about this horrible thing that your country did in the past maybe you have to answer for that you know or maybe you know maybe things that are occurring currently yeah um, they're like I'm 
well, yeah, occurring currently, mm-hmm. which, you know, definitely an issue here in the States. There's quite a few things that are trending in the wrong direction. But one thing that will like will be missed is kind of a voice that called all of it out, but did so in a very important way. Mm-hmm. I was going to backtrack for a moment because okay. I think a thing with Canada and the United States and Mexico, I think you'll see a lot of light brought into Mexico and some of the problems that occur down there with like um, drug cartels and um, we'll see some of the things that have occurred because there was a crazy incident that I think it was sometime last year at a game and I can't remember where the game was but um, where fans were viciously attacked and there was definitely serious harm brought to some of the opposing fans that were at the stadium uh, nice. in Mexico. Was that the um like the gang related one with the with the eighteen murders? I can't. Yeah, it might be that, but I'm not yeah. totally sure of the exact details of the the game. If it was gang related or or whatnot, it's just it's that there were fans at a game and things became a little uh, raucous and fans started to attack each other and suddenly fans were being viciously beaten and there was lots of video of it and they're pretty brutal. They were pretty brutal. They were like laying them out and then taking all of their things and like looting them and then just leaving them for someone else to deal with and yeah that's a pretty and those things will come to light when it comes to 2026 and they're going to talk about how Mexico can't control their fans and and um the and, Mexico fan thing has been a building problem for probably the last what 8 years 10 I'm not years not totally sure but um because it started with the chant. And oh, the, how FIFA, they couldn't say, yeah, the yeah, chant. And then FIFA started to crack down on that. And, I mean, obviously Mexico has its own, like, fan problems from before that um, in, like, club soccer and stuff like that. But that's when kind of the international audience started to mm-hmm. started to hear about it and not just CONCACAF, you know, batteries right. and bags of urine and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we'll talk about the United States and their policing problems and how... <sighs> Yeah, boy, howdy. The intense policing of, uh, though in the United States, I will say, when it comes to these events, the policing is very different than than what what we show on a regular basis. It feels far less uh, um, aggressive in yeah. some ways. But- uh like with everything else in the United States, it comes down to money. Is this something that makes a lot of money? Yes. Cool. Be on your best behavior, guys. Yep. And, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll be lovely in the areas that the games are being played. I'm sure that the policing will be very helpful and mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah. you know, nice. But that's that's not what we're talking about. No. We are talking no, no, about, no. you know, Milwaukee and New York City and LA and places where you know, you don't see everything that happens, even with the fact that everybody has cameras now. Mm-hmm. And that will be a, you know, that'll be a conversation. That should be a conversation. Yeah. It's an ongoing conversation for, you know, a lot of people in the United States right now. But it's, it'll be international. Everybody will get to see it. And yeah. and that it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how people react to that. I mean, uh, there was an incident recent, like just a couple of days ago with, um, or maybe, I don't know if it was, yeah, it might have been a couple of days ago with um, Clipper Daryl at, at the Crypto.com Arena. So Clipper Daryl was asking if he could go to a different part of the concourse and security was like, no, like you really shouldn't. And so he tried to pass through and the security guard like held him by his throat and Clipper Daryl tried to like wave him off and then... The- 
And then the security guard knocked him out one one shot and knocked him out. Jesus. And you're like, well, actually, is that is that what's going to occur when we have games and things of that nature at the World Cup? Probably not. But I mean, it could occur. I mean, the fans of these uh, of these countries at the World Cup, I mean, they're going to be very different. Than, yeah. than things than fans that we have at our sporting events because there is an intensity that they have that we don't have sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I, I know that people think like American sports fans are the craziest. And I, I promise you, like, I promise you, go to a European, like a European soccer event or a European basketball event and they'll tell you it is completely different. It is a completely different intensity. There's a video on YouTube you can look up right now. It's uh, It is a visiting team walking out out walking from the locker room to the field with uh, playing Red Star Belgrade, mm-hmm. right? And along the walls, the entire way are police officers in riot gear. It's an entirely different atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that. that's crazy. That's, hey, we don't think that maybe there'll be a small problem. We think that we have to escort you out of these premises, beating fans along the way. It's a different right. thing. Right. Right. And and so yeah, you'll get a little bit of that. You'll you'll get some some interesting stuff with with the uh <laughs> with the World Cup crowds. And Canada has their has other things that they will bring up. I I'm not going to I don't want to be in too much detail about that, but there's some things about how they treated natives of mm-hmm. the land um while they were there where they there may have been sort of like killings and burials and things where they don't exist anymore like is if yeah, they didn't it's, exist. It's there's uh, some weird things like that and they'll those things those will be brought up as we as we travel into this next world cup anyway but we we kind of went on a tangent to come back to grant wall and the importance of this man for us as american soccer fans and as fans of the game and how important he was to to the game and not just the men's game but the women's game he is he was he's been a fierce and uh, he was a fierce contributor to the women's game and, and helping promote the women's game as much as he possibly could even during this world cup he he found time for female journalists and talk to them about the women's game and, and the the women's leagues and, and what was going on and and even though he could have easily had just talked about this World Cup he found time because he knew how important it was to continue promoting it and and uh, talking about the game because it, that's the thing that mattered the most to him thing that that brought the most passion to his life it was one of those it, it, Grant Wall is one of those people that you never realize how you never realized how valuable and how important he was how to deeply instrumental mental he, he was, was to your understanding of the game right yeah. you know you never realized that he was he was a pioneer in america and he, i would say he's the reason why one of the reasons why i know the game like i do and yeah. one of the reasons why we are doing what we do today is, is like he is blazed Wall. the path for us i want to say that every major feature I've read about the U.S. men's national team in probably the last, my lifetime, probably, was written by Grant Wall. And that's not lost on me, that Mm -hmm. there is a huge voice, a huge advocate for football, for soccer, Mm -hmm. for for the game in the United States, men's and women's. And it will be almost impossible to fill the gap that Grant Wall will leave. Mm. in in American football and I know that that like sounds kind of hyperbolic when you're talking about a journalist but this wasn't like a journalist this was the soccer journalist in America for, yeah for, in yeah in America 
Yeah, there are there are other people um, too. I don't want to like delegitimize them. There's um, Ives Gallarseps, who's also yeah. been soccer by Ives is really really important. He's a great soccer journalist. And um, there's I think is Frank Delappa, who's another great one too. And um, and you get the the guys that like do the total soccer show and like there there are people that will pick up some of the slack that have been doing it already for years but it's grant wall grant wall was like a legitimate journalist like he was like a oh yeah yeah like there's there's a different a different vibe for these guys that have like that kind of cachet that like he could walk into a stadium and be like, hey, can I get an interview with this guy? And like maybe get it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's Grant Wall. And I don't know. That's, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to replace those guys. It's hard to have that level of respect. He is also, you know, the, the other thing about Grant is that he's, he's been considered one of the kindest and most genuine journalists and human beings that has ex- existed. And to have someone of that nature like lead the way for your sport like for a sport in a time where you know america was sort of floundering a bit like in the late 90s and early 2000s like soccer was you know mls almost disappeared like in 2001 mls was on the verge of of pausing they were lose hemorrhaging money and they didn't know if they could keep going and the owners of those teams were thinking like oh we can't do this anymore like why would we continue doing this we're losing like hundreds of millions of dollars now they figured out a way but grant wall continued to cover it cover it and in a way was helping just keep he was help in in his own way helping keep the energy alive to keep the sport right. alive in this country you know because it could have easily have disappeared and we would have been back into the 60s and 70s of, of having no real game yeah uh here and then like just watching the european game and and it, w- it just it would have been different because a lot of the fans in america though they know the the european game a lot of a lot of people my age and ryan's age mls was hugely important to learn about the rest of those leagues like yeah. uh, you know fifa fifa was a huge part of my life when i was a kid mm-hmm. fifa the game fifa yeah. fifa um ea sports fifa can't believe i just promoted ea sports but it's fine it's not yeah, I mean it's loose promotion. Loose yeah. promotion, yeah. But it, it it's not a huge. Issue. But the reason why I even was into soccer was because New England Revolution existed in 1996, and I was 10 years old, and I was able yep. to go to games in person, and how valuable that was to to be able to see games live and how, realize how much I really loved the game. I stopped playing baseball because I realized how much fun the game was to watch and how much I really wanted to be part of it. Can I just say, Mm -hmm. you would have been a good baseball player. I was a terrible baseball player. Yeah, your attention to detail eventually would have won out. Yeah, you think so? I think so. I think think you would have gotten really into the like, oh shit, I know what this pitch is. I think you're you're an empathetic, like, attention to detail. This is a tangent, but I like it. (laughs) Like, your attention to detail and your understanding of, like, kind of how the pitcher is feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, he's... He's a pretty good athlete, guys. He's, you know. He's, I was an okay. I'm an okay athlete. Yeah, I probably would have been a good. I probably would have been a good athlete for baseball. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What position were you? Center field? No, I actually was a pitcher. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, because you were the best athlete playing. Oh uh, yeah, I was a left-handed. <laughs> I yeah, I was a left-hander, and I could throw a ball like a mile. Yeah, he. And so he, they instantly like you're pitching because I had an arm. He's fast enough that he he'd be a center fielder. Probably, I probably would have been a yeah, a center fielder, or a corner outfielder, probably yeah. yeah, one of those. He, I would have been an outfielder. I wasn't very good at fielding, like in like grounders and things. So 
Yeah. I tried to play shortstop and it wasn't very good. So okay. So anyway, moving on. Back to um. Oh no, I'm. I wouldn't have been a great athlete. Oh yeah, but you played pitcher and shortstop in little league. Yeah, that's where they put the best athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the Grant Wall was hugely important in, in the fabric of this game. Yeah, and, and building the fabric for this game. And I, one of my hopes is that we can continue that legacy and hopefully, you know, blaze a new path for the sport here in America. Because I, because even though we're doing this now, I have a feeling we're going to veer into other directions as time goes on, and we're gonna, you know, blaze paths for like the cultural side of so- uh, of soccer and football in America, and and really talk about not only about the games but talk about what the game is here you know and 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 also we can talk about what the game is in other places but it's this is a hugely important part of how i see the game because it is it is all that it is all important you know i yeah i he will be so as always we we travel along on the paths laid down by giants they lifted grant wall lifted the floor of soccer coverage in this in this country he you know carried us here and now it's on the rest of us to kind of kind of take it from here um and like he'll be missed you you were talking about um the briefly before we go just so everybody knows he didn't just cover soccer he was embedded in sports illustrated for for a long time long till what last year maybe yeah he was there for over 20 years yeah. like 25 years and there was a disagreement and he was like no i'm gonna do my own thing yeah, i'll like, go freelance i'll go i, I mean I, I and the thing is is that he had the power he could have done that at <laughs> any point in time right. i think he would have been hugely successful but he really loved sports illustrated and mm-hmm. um, things occurred that, that he didn't. I think there was also policy changes as yeah. well that uh, he also they got didn't. Bought. Sports Illustrated got bought. and yeah. didn't agree with the new the new ownership, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he was like, nope, not going to work for them. And you know what? He had the the ability to do that. Like he right. always stood. Like I think could have left at any time. <laughs> yeah, I think what what made Grant Wall special was his integrity and his ability to know his truth and his honesty and who he was. Because if something wasn't, if you feel like if he felt like he wasn't standing in his in his truth or his integrity, he would have talked about it and he would yeah. have expressed it and he, he would yep. have created an action in order to skip stand back into it. Yeah, um, uh, he was. By all accounts, a capital J journalist. Yeah, capital full capital J journalist. Full capital J could not leave it alone if right. he knew it was wrong. There's a great um, there was a great interview that Le- LeBron James or I don't know if it was an interview, but he, I think it was after a game. He talked. They talked to him about his time with Grant Wall after he had passed. And the first major cover of LeBron James when he was 14 was covered by Grant Wall. Like that first major cover story was covered by Grant Wall. And LeBron couldn't have nicer things to say about Grant Wall. It was actually really beautiful. And it was really nice to see LeBron James talk about him and how lovely of a human being he was and how special of a human being he was and how LeBron felt very comfortable and safe being having Grant be part of his life because I think Grant covered him for like three or four years, you know, covered him for a really long time during high school. He was the one who covered him during high school. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, you know, that is a lot. There is a lot of listening and empathy being practiced with LeBron. And I think in a way, LeBron felt grateful to be part of that because it easily could have been someone else who's trying to, you know, tarnish and push him, you know, and Grant looked at him and, and thought, this kid is, there's so much on his plate. And the fact that he is dealing with all of it and performing in the way he has is really special and showed his life for what it was and not tried to spin it in some sort of way. 
And yeah. yeah, I have to say that it is a really sad day that um, we have to talk about this in such a way. And hopefully we as Studio 141 and the podcast that is The Coffee House um, will be able to continue to lead and and follow in his footsteps and, and lead a new way for um, soccer in America. So that's, that's, you know, I there's nothing more we can really say. Grant Wall will be missed. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's cap off this episode. Let's tie this off with the only other United States soccer thing anybody is talking about right now. Yep. Uh, I, I don't. I feel like I feel that we don't necessarily need to talk about this too long because yeah. it, it, this is a this is like a he said she said thing, and and there's a lot of a lot of other things happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and to me, there's a lot of frustration that I feel about this whole situation. Because it should have been dealt with a lot easier and a lot simpler. And I feel I feel that some people were put into a corner and forced to have to express in a way that necessarily uh, they didn't necessarily need to. But are you so are you are you talking about a coach or are you talking about a player? I think they both I think they both were put into a really difficult position. Okay, I think so. We're talking about Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter and uh, some of the incidents that occurred during the World Cup and. So the my understanding we'll do we'll do a brief like like we'll do we'll do a brief kind of synopsis um, of yeah the... like uh, chain of events. So they go to the World Cup. Gio Reyna is told he's not going to start. He will come off the bench. Reyna dogs it in practice. Kind of after that, probably frustration. And he dogs it in a scrimmage too. Um... To the point where other like other players come to him and are like, "This is unacceptable." I want to say it's uh, it's Tim Ream and DeAndre Yedlin, mm-hmm. and I think him and Adams get into like almost like a fist fight in in training, and so they put it to a vote. I've heard conflicting reports about whether it was the players or whether it was Greg Berhalter and his staff. It was the staff. I, th- I think it was. A, it was the yeah. staff. They're, they they uh, tw- Taylor Twelman had a pretty. He's very well ingrained. And yeah. all of it, and yeah. I would I believe what he was saying about yeah. the the what had happened and how it was mainly the staff and leaders like Tim Ream. I think they had a couple of the players as right. leaders, like think Tim Ream and DeAndre Yedlin and maybe Tyler Adams as well. They were you know, involved, cap- in, captain types. Yeah, the captain <laughs> yeah. types were involved in the decision, but it but yeah, it wasn't a whole team vote. Yeah. So and I guess it uh I guess it barely broke in the way of keeping Reyna at the World Cup, so he almost gets sent home for this. I think they were. T- talked about him sending him home but yeah um i think they came up with a plan and they executed that plan yep and and i from what i've also heard reyna kind of like turned that around like he ended up being a bit of a model citizen after that while he was there obviously still frustrated it doesn't just go away but he also you know managed to not be a problem from from then on out but this so it's actually tied up in the grant wall thing a little bit because they were gonna write reports like the athletic had an article about this before bear halter had to come out before bear halter said that this had happened and kind of like that like seminar he was at or whatever it was Mm -hmm. so like this was gonna get reported on anyway right but he said it first because they didn't release it because of the grant wall news right so it's it was handled in a way with bear halter saying that geo reyna because everyone's asking him why isn't he playing he says well he's not you know he doesn't seem like he's 100 percent fit which isn't a lie one of the things they talked about was like maybe he's trying to not have an injury and in, in training well like, there's a whole the whole thing okay 
Burhalter knows that Giorena has been recovering and not fully fit. And in, I think he wanted to make it clear to Gio, this is what's going to happen in this World Cup. This is where I think you will be for this World Cup. Gio becomes upset because he feels that he should start. And instead of trying to prove to Greg that he should be a starter and working like mm-hmm. taking actions to work hard, Gio goes the other way and decides, like, I'm not going to do anything. Okay? Now, people have... There have been many things that have been put out about why Greg Burkhalter said anything in the first place of... of what of what the motive was was about telling Gio that he wasn't going to play as much but for me I think he was making it transparent about his role at the World right. Cup and when you're with a team like that with you when you're with teams sometimes you need to make some of these roles really apparent and really clear to these players right. even even if it is going to hurt them like even if it's going to like hurt their pride or their emotions a little bit because they think they are more worthy of the moment you know and Gio Gio's 19 you know I like I think sometimes we forget like age of people right Gio even though Gio is a, a wonder kid in a way you know like he in America he's a wonder kid right yeah. I, I think he's considered one of like the 20 up-and-coming players. players he's and, he yeah. could be a, he could be a great if he stays healthy he could be an all-timer like or you know like he has that kind of ability right I mean, he scored the screamer in a in a friendly the other day against in a for Dortmund crazy goal like popped it up in the air scored a volley from 20 yards out put it into the top corner like beautiful okay I mean he has that ability has that skill right he he has the talent right so the thing about Gio is that he's 19 right he's soaked because he's 19 people don't want to bring up age sometimes because oh well they're a professional they make tons of money and they do this and they do that and 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 the thing is is sometimes you're just 19 and you know what happened he was told at his first world cup he wasn't going to play as much as he thought he was and he threw a tantrum that's what happened yeah and honestly if we left it at that we'd all actually have a much better perspective of the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. Now, how, what the players and staff did to like pull him out of it, I think really helped because I think it put a perspective on Gio for exactly what needed to happen and what he needed to do. Now, has he had this problem before? Yes. At, there are reports that in Dortmund he has also been somewhat, he sulks a little bit at times. He, he can be a little difficult to deal with. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there are, because of someone's skill level, then this is a, this, maybe we'll kind of refer this to Mbappe and Neymar and yeah. some of these players as well. Sometimes a mature, emotional maturity level of someone doesn't necessarily match the, the maturity of the level of which they play the game. Right. Right. So just because they are a brilliant soccer player doesn't necessarily mean they are emotionally brilliant as a human being. Those things very rarely, if ever, match, you know. And so sometimes we have to give some space to that person as they learn to deal with being an adult and a human being. You know, this was a growing moment for Gio and in a way might be one of the best things that's happened to him. Yes. For this World Cup and for the next one. Hopefully he will be healthy. He will be 23 then. Only 23. Okay. And if he if he improves with this mind mindset that he has now what's the who's going to really stop him and then you have Pulisic with him and Timo Way and all these players that can are going to improve over time right you know and so it's I'm actually team Greg on this one I think he tried really hard to protect Reyna and I have I have thoughts as to why certain things came out and certain pressures were put on Bearhalter because of that mm-hmm. I'm not sure are we do you want to talk about any of those or do you just want to kind of be like yeah this seems like a behind the scenes u.s soccer thing well 
let's put it this way. Gio Reyna is is soccer royalty in America. He's from a family that, you know, helped grow the game in America. Carlos Reyna was one of the best players of the modern generation in America. And Gio is from that family. So sometimes when you're so ingrained in the game, you feel that opportunities are more bountiful because of who you are and not necessarily what you have done. Yeah. And even though Gio is a supremely talented player, supremely talented player, maybe the time wasn't right for him to perform at this World Cup yet. Yeah. Especially since he's had a lot of injuries over the last 18 months and hasn't really been on the field. Yeah, and I, you look at the starting lineup and who are you playing him over? I think Greg did the right thing. I know, I, like people I don't do want well. to admit that. I think there's a there's a thing going on with Greg because of how he. Well, his his brother is important to uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation. So it seems like a nepotism hire. People have had that against him the whole time. Yep. His tactics, up until the World Cup, they had never really played Bearhalter ball. Like they, they, he they had, hadn't really made, they hadn't really fully, they haven't fulfilled the thing that Berhalter yeah. wanted fully. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden at the World Cup, it kind of clicked. I actually think he had a really, really good tournament. I um, I tend to agree with you there. I think I think they played for the most part really well. They played England very well. They were the they were the better team against England. Yeah, I thought they were the better team for most of the teams that they played. Yeah. I you, you can argue they were the better team against the Netherlands. They had their periods against the Netherlands where they really dominated possession of play and like field tilt and all of those things. They they were they were better I think at times. But yeah. I mean, the, the the thing they learned in this World Cup is the small, very small, minute details and moments in the game yep. that really matter, you know, because against the Netherlands, they were exposed because they did not yep. have the little extra attention to detail and just the savvy to be where they needed to be in the important moments. Yep. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. That. One of those goals will haunt me for a very, very long time. You cannot and not switch off in added time right before the half, man. Right, I agree. You cannot do that. That's a backbreaker every time. You lost immediately as soon as that goal was scored. That was over. Yeah, yep. the game, game was, was over. over. Even though they came and they fought really, they the opening fifteen minutes of the second yep. half, they they really pushed and had opportunities. And you wonder if if, if it ends, ends that half ends one nil, if they find a goal, right? All of a sudden it gets tight. Now it's and tight. now the Netherlands right. becomes tight too. Yeah, you know, and it's a different and game. it's a different game. You know, but when you're chasing two goals, the game gets really open. And yep. guess what? Denzel yeah. Tomfries is at the far post with <laughs> like so much time that he doesn't know how to do it. Deal right, with it. Just, how am I gonna score? Yeah, this how am one? I gonna score in this moment? Yeah. yeah. But Berhalter, how he became the coach, there is a little importance there. Yeah, yeah. How it is, there is some importance there because because there there could have been other options available to to possibly be the coach and mm-hmm. he somehow became the head coach of the, the men's national team and but at this point now I think he has proven that he can lead them in the future he, the the thing is is that he started to bring out the best in some of these players that central midfield might have been the best midfield in the tournament honestly mm, I don't know I want I don't want to go there because uh, Croatia is freakish with Brozovic and Kovacic and Modric they're freaky. that's fair that's freaky fair. freaky that's good fair. and I mean Spain with Pedri and Gavi and all those guys it's, it's, it's kind of hard to uh so the thing I will add is no one they played played through the middle right everyone played outside 
side. They yeah. they tried to beat them on the wings and behind the backs. Yeah. Because because they could not play through the middle. Yeah. Because they won they won the battle on in pretty much every game they were in. I better competition, maybe Spain, they're chasing all game. Yeah. You never know. Right. But it's But who they're they powerful, play. they're yeah. they have all the abilities. All yeah. those three guys, McKenny and Musa and uh Adams, they're going to be that will be a very serious and there'll be other players who come in. And the, yeah. the thing is is don't worry about the United States. In four years, they will be competing with some of those other teams to make it to the final. I, I do genuinely believe that. And I think Burhalter is the guy to do that. I do. I know that people are going to be think I'm crazy but who right now who do you replace him with too it's the other we, question we keep only coming up the only name we can come up with is uh Marcelo Bielsa Mar- and the only other the I other guy know. to me and the other guy to me that you could bring up is Jesse Marsh that's the only other yeah. guy that I would legitimately I think, I think Jesse's happy and I Leeds. think if Jesse stays if Jesse survives at Leeds like gets through the year and you know they survive and they stay up he's gonna be there because the thing is is that they play a somewhat fun game and like he's making the best of the money that he has available to yeah. him. And I think the fans actually kind of like like him over there because he's he's a pretty passionate guy. There is a <laughs> yeah, there is a um there is a like still a wavering because they loved Marcelo Bielsa so yeah. much and they wanted him to stay. They they felt like he was a savior of that club because in a way he has because they were was. in the doldrums <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden they made it back to the Premier League and all of those things. But Jesse has done a thing too. So yeah. but with Greg Berhalter, I think there's a hit out on him with regards to the to the to being head coach of the team i think think there's something going on and i think they're trying to find a way to not re-sign him to the next deal and i think they're trying to find the next plan well he's he's already talked about um he's gonna look at coaching offers in europe because his contract runs out after the world cup i believe Mm -hmm. um so he's open to hearing offers um and i think people will be surprised by the level of job he gets I think it'll be somewhere, yeah. I think someone will be like, yeah, like we like what you do, and I think you did the best of what you, with right. what you had, and we think I, he'll go to like a mid-tier team, I think, mm-hmm. um, but he'll go somewhere and he'll be pretty successful, I think. Yeah. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah. So that was our um, little. It's our, our first postmortem of the World Cup. We we will have another one. We'll talk about the final, and we will talk about other things that we felt like were surprises and mm-hmm. things that occurred, but. Um, we are done here now thank you for listening thank you grant wall for everything that you've done over the the course of time i hope we paid our respect as best as possible to you and um, we hope that um, we carry the light for you in the future Um, this is paul cushing and i'm here with ryan whiting and thank you for listening to the coffee house at one for one studio and we will talk to you soon all hail the trash fire (laughs) all hail the trash fire